0: So, Pirate walks into a bar. He's got a steering wheel attached to the front of his pants. Bartender goes, what's with the steering wheel? Pirate goes, it's driving me nuts.
1: <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> Warning, incoming game. Warning, incoming game. Welcome to Incoming Game, the podcast where we watch
0: and rewatch
1: the 90s animated series Reboot.
0: I'm Jessica, a nostalgic.
1: And I'm Ben, a skeptic. I have never seen this show until now.
0: And I grew up loving it. Each week we'll dissect an episode from start to finish. This week we have episode 7, the Crimson Binome. So, how has your week been?
1: My week's been alright. It's been interspersed with blizzards and t-shirt weather.
0: Yeah, that seems to have been the trend for February slash March. I could certainly do with a few less blizzards and a few more t-shirt weather, though that might mean the world is ending, so kind of a <laughs> trade-off there.
1: So Catch-22. What about you? How's your week been?
0: Oh, definitely with the blizzards and the nor'easters and knocking down trees and shorting out TVs.
1: Oh, no. Ah,
0: sigh. The joys of homeownership.
1: Oh, that's a shame. Well, on the plus side, it's International Women's Day.
0: Well, not two weeks from now when this is going to air, but...
1: (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Happy belated Women's Day.
0: The women of the world, thank you, Ben.
1: (laughs) I got you this card two weeks late. (laughs)
0: Discussing season one, episode seven, The Crimson Binome. It first aired on January seventh, nineteen ninety five. It was written by Lane Reichert, the story by Gavin Blair, Ian Pearson, Phil Mitchell, and Lane Reichert. And we open up on a fine weekend. Bynum by the docks.
1: It's a lovely day on the shore.
0: In the Victorian era.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of binomes in old timey fancy dress. Got like a guy in a bowler hat, there's like a barbershop quartet looking guy.
0: Someone's pushing a pram down the street.
1: Yeah, everyone's all prim and proper. There's uh you get Afrobiome. he's on one of those shoot i don't know the name of it but the bike with the giant wheel
0: i thought you would enjoy that we also get to see a fun little puppet show going on for the small victorian children
1: right the little lord fauntleroy kids there they're watching uh punch card and qwerty
0: and uh we see your favorite five enjoying relaxing looking out into the sea
1: just to add insult to injury he speaks and it really freaks me out there
0: (laughs) i don't know I don't know why I didn't notice him that first episode that you pointed him out, but I'm glad that he's become a staple of this.
1: It's become a little game of Spot the Five every time.
0: Uh, but their wonderful, beautiful morning is suddenly interrupted when a pirate ship appears out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, it just like pops in. It's like they're staring at a little uh, red light in the distance and then they're just like Pow! pirates.
0: Pirates. You've been infested with pirates. <laughs> Immediately start causing chaos.
1: When guy swarms in, he's a binome pirate with an eye patch and it covers his only eye.
0: They certainly seem to enjoy their job, especially the captain.
1: They spew out a string of syllables and like numbers and letters and stuff. And I didn't quite catch all that, but it's like a little game of telephone that they're going up to the captain.
0: Yeah, I think they're like calling out the areas that they're going after there or something or, right. you know, their positions. They're very well-oiled machines.
1: Yeah, they got this down to a science.
0: Yes, they've definitely been doing this for a while. So word gets over to Dot that stuff is going down.
1: Yeah, her screens are going haywire, static. Uh, things are offline. She's talking to some like cop who's like, oh yeah, the chick at the other precinct and gets cut off.
0: Uh, and Fong is on the line with her. And he's letting her know that the trouble started down with the docks. And Dot is right about to head out and take care of this by herself. And Enzo's just like, "Oh no, no, slow down, slow down. Bob lives down there.
1: Yeah, yeah, let a man handle this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Bob's in there. He's on top of everything. Don't worry about it.
1: <laughs> oh man. Oh, Enzo. He's so sure that Bob's on the case. Bob is not on the case.:
0: Bob is not on the case. Bob is doing bad karaoke in his garage.:
1: He's jamming out to Michael Jackson on his headphones.. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh my god, he's such a bad singer. (laughs) I can't imagine a voice actor is actually a bad singer, because they have to have such good control over their voice, so I'm assuming that it's good acting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) While he's distracted, he's like singing along, a bunch of binomes pop in and they steal his car, they push it out the window like it's the end of Ferris Bueller's Day (laughs) Off.
0: While they're stealing the car, Miss Sally there sneaks on in and uh, grabs Glitch right off of his tray. Oh no! Poor Bob, not even noticing. And he turns around and everything's gone. He doesn't notice the Glitch is gone, but he notices his car is gone and is thoroughly confused.
1: So outside, the uh, pirates are freezing all the binomes into like big ice cubes. And uh, the captain asks Droopy the accountant how the looting's going.
0: Oh, Mr. Christopher. <laughs> happy yeah, we get uh, a couple of pirates come up to the captain fill in on the progress. she be ours, Captain, you know, Mr. Cooster fills him in on how the uh profit margin is looking. Can you imagine what this could mean? I, sir, a twenty six thousand per cent profit margin. And then Miss Sally and Mr. Andrew show up to show off to the captain that they have the key tool that they stole from a guardian.
1: He's so impressed. He gives them both a raise.
0: He does. We get a lot of names of people in this episode, which is pretty fun. I feel like most of the characters that we've met are like a lot of the background characters, like the five or the director or Annie Potts. (laughs) yeah uh we actually you know we meet the captain we hear miss sally's name who talks and we hear mr andrew who talks
1: yeah there's a real focus on introducing people by their name yeah
0: yeah which is fun because we will see this crew again this crew will come back and it's gonna be fun but it's not for a little while so it's kind of interesting that we get like this huge introduction to this crew and it feels, like, really natural. It doesn't feel like they're, like, you know, lining them all up. And...
1: No, no. <laughs> He's just, like, super excited about naming people.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's pretty fun. This is the first time we really get introductions to people other than the main cast. <laughs> but, yeah, so they get a 2,000 credit bonus. But uh, the captain already knows. This is a key tool. Where there's key tools, there are guardians. And where there's guardians, there are trouble.
1: There's galaxies.
0: <laughs> or galaxies. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Down at the docks, Dot and Enzo are wondering where Bob is, and Bob is wondering where Glitch is.
0: I like how he didn't even realize that he'd missed it. For all he knew, he left it back at his house.
1: It's like when you get to the bathroom and you realize you forgot your phone.
0: Exactly. <laughs> or when you're walking around with your phone, using it as a flashlight, wondering where your phone is, and trying yeah, to find it.
1: <laughs> with the flashlight. <laughs> so the pirates go to leave, and uh, the, what does he say? Code Avacab?
0: Code Avacab. We're going to get that in a little bit. That'll be part of our bits and bytes.
1: Sure. Well, Bob starts freezing a bunch of them while the Cap'um decides to send Princess Ula, a giant Amazon, on a mission to kidnap him.
0: Yes, we get to meet Princess Bula.
1: Oh, Bula, sorry. Princess Bula made me laugh. (laughs) She's just like, Guardian.
0: I really enjoy Princess Bula, especially with her, like, kind of (laughs) Hulk-esque way of talking and acting. Like, oh, there's something in my way. I will just walk through it and destroy it.
1: Right. (laughs) Just the big brute. Did you hear the uh, cap on he says, Shiver me templates?
0: I like that. <laughs> Also, Bob points out that they are software pirates, Yeah, which I think this might have been slightly before we started downloading music
1: I online. don't know, because this maybe? is like, I mean, maybe not like Napster specifically, but I mean, I think as far as, as long as the internet's been around, you had people pirating like software and stuff.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Which I'm just wondering if the software pirates is because it was pre-music, if we would have heard some other things.
1: Oh, you think they could have been like Metallica ripoffs or something? Yeah. <laughs>
0: But I do love that one of the things that they steal is a car, because all I could think of was, you wouldn't download a car. <laughs> well, these guys would. These guys would totally download a car. <laughs>
1: Oh, man. Wouldn't you, though, if you could, just 3D print one?
0: Oh, well, yeah. Get a 3D printer in here and just print out a nice cut. That'd be great.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Bob approaches and he demands Glitch back. And the Cap'um, he just gives it back without a fight. But uh, as Bob reaches for it, Bula busts through the floor and grabs him. And they fly off in a lovingly rendered shot of the ship.
0: And, yeah, Saucy Mirror sails away, leaving mainframe without their guardian.
1: It took me a while to figure out what was on their flag. Like, that first shot of it, I freeze-framed it and I couldn't really make sense of it until a little later on when you you see it a little bit clearer and it's two skulls that are kind of fused together at the eyeball
0: yeah i thought it was really fun and it looks like they had kind of a specific artist or style in mind when they designed it mm-hmm. so i mean i couldn't find anything online about it but i'm wondering you know maybe gavin can help us out here if they you know had someone that was really good like almost tattooish, the way they put it on there yeah it, it seems an very intentional. Like they wanted someone to design it so they could stick it on this flag. And
1: it's not like an obvious like skull and crossbones design either. It's a real stylized thing that you kinda of have to really look at and interpret.
0: Yeah, I thought it was pretty fun. The the double skull ideas is, is interesting. Uh so yeah, Dot and Enzo, who had watched the ship sail away, uh, they don't know that Bob is on it until Fong informs them. Somehow Fong knows. Uh <laughs> but he's also tracking them, so it's okay. And
1: then Enzo goes and he says a line which makes me laugh it brought me right to my childhood because he goes that's not even funny (laughs) and it's the second time that he said that but like yeah like i haven't heard that phrase in years
0: it's fun to hear that kind of stuff that you know was general slang and not like you know movie slang like no one ever said like tubular for real well but (laughs) (laughs) but yeah does does you hear like the things like 90s kids actually said only 90s kids will remember
1: Fong explains that the pirates are coming and going through a portal out at sea and that once Bob goes through, he'll be lost forever. Now, why is that? Can't he just come back through the portal too?
0: Maybe, if he escapes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't think Fong's got a lot of faith in Bob's escape. (laughs) <laughs> ability he he did just get captured by pirates so
1: so dot and enzo they commandeer a cruise ship much to the consternation of thurston howell
0: it is exactly thurston
1: howell you love her oh i haven't had this much fun in minutes
0: or as it is in the show mr mitchell but yeah, they have to come and hear from Mr. Mitchell, slash Thurston, because the pirates are getting away.
1: Fong has to swing his dick a little bit to uh, convince him.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's not moving for just Dot, which we all know Dot's the mover and shaker in this town, so get with the mm. pitcher, Mr. Mitchell. But <laughs> Fong gets on the line and says, nope, you give that ship to her right now, we need the fastest ship in the harbor.
1: And that's when Dot straight up quotes Rakhlf Khan. He tasks me, and I shall have him. So Dot claims that what they need is speed, but I think what they really need is speed, too, Cruise Control, starring Sandra Bullock as <laughs>
0: dot uh, sandra bullock's character and dot really don't have a lot in common <laughs> it's been a well while since i watched speed but she's much flakier than dot is
1: yeah <laughs> speed 2 also came out in 97 i looked that up too <laughs>
0: <laughs> so they're trying to get ready to leave they've got a bunch of soldiers on there uh, piling onto thurston's ship and they can't leave yet because we need frisket to come on the ship
1: uh, frisco's too afraid to step on the boat but They pull away and he jumps and like almost flips them over.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was an interesting little bit that they put in there. Probably a little bit extra more than they needed, but still kind of fun.
1: But they go to warp.
0: They do. They're off. So then we go over to Bob.
1: Yeah, he wakes up in the brig.
0: So he's up to a sleeping guard, and he tries to take advantage of this situation by grabbing the keys to the bars. But it was all a trick. Yeah.
1: <laughs> There's a force field in there. He gets thrown back, and the jailer just starts laughing. He's like, ah, I wasn't really sleeping. I...
0: Besides, I don't snore when i really sleep." I love that this is obviously something this guy loves to do. It's his favorite part of the job, is to pretend to sleep. <laughs> so he can electrocute the prisoners.
1: <laughs> and Bob goes in full creep mode when he goes like, don't you know who I am? I'm a guardian. I know everything.
0: <laughs> you don't know that much, Bob.
1: You noticed the uh, graffiti that was on the wall behind him too?
0: I noticed all of the graffiti, yeah. There's
1: some risque graffiti back there. We got
0: some fun stuff on there. We've got uh, someone counting down their days in prison, as one does. Uh, a sad face. Someone saying, sit on it.
1: Yeah, and then capacitor is flaccider
0: capacitor is flaccider which is great i
1: don't know how they let that one on and sit on it too but then there's i want my mtv i want my
0: mtv you are here there's a happy face
1: the cake is a lie
0: a kilroy was here pirate version yep and then we get a little mouse signature if you haven't already watched the series through, you have no idea what that is. But yeah, rewatching no. it and seeing the mouse, I was just like, oh my god, mouse! I got so excited really fast.
1: So it's an <laughs> upcoming character?
0: Mouse is a really great character. Uh, and she actually should be showing up soon. I think it might be next episode, actually. And so, yeah, they, they talk about her a little bit. I didn't think they were going to even talk about her. I thought they just threw that in as a little side thing mm-hmm. for rewatches, But they immediately bring up that... Mouse is here, and Bob knows Mouse. They have a history together. You don't know what it is, but... Does
1: Dot know about it?
0: Dot? No, she does not know about it.
1: Uh-oh.
0: Uh, yeah, that does cause a little bit of attention, but... <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Dot, Dot and Mouse will get over that pretty easily.
1: At any rate, <laughs> the uh, Cap'um comes down and introduces everybody. Beulah gives Bob a wink and a wave, because, of course...
0: <laughs> uh, yes, we get to learn that he is... In fact, Captain Capacitor, the crimson binome.
1: The flaccid capacitor.
0: <laughs> so yes, obviously someone in that jail at one point was a crew member. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or a spurned lover.
0: Oh yeah, it could be.
1: Maybe it was mouse. <laughs> <laughs> They threaten each other back and forth for a little while, and Bob throws his mattress at the bars, which, uh, in a flash, makes both him and the mattress disappear.
0: Bob is gone, and they assume that he has gone through the tiny hole in the wall next to the mouse symbol, so Bula just goes crashing through the wall without a second thought.
1: Yeah, she just bashes through. <laughs> I will find!
0: Capacitors called back upstairs. And once they're all gone, Bob pops out of his real hiding place behind one of the beams.
1: He's behind a skinny wooden beam, like a Looney Tunes character. And apparently, Mouse taught him that trick because he, like, thanks her.
0: I guess so. (laughs) I don't know if he's thanking her because she taught him that trick, or if there's some kind of, like, weird field she put up right there, or if she made the hole that was part of a distraction that he used. I don't know. (laughs)
1: Hmm. Well, this is a mouse hole,
0: something mouse related well uh which by the way once the wall gets destroyed and bob pops out you get to see one more piece of graffiti which looks like a game of hangman oh yeah and it's kind of hard to read what it says but i'm pretty sure it says reboot
1: (laughs) well bob starts wrecking shit on the ship causing them to come to a halt and which allows dot's boat to catch up with them
0: yep and dot and enzo know immediately that a stopped pirate ship means bob
1: Yeah, they come out of warp, and uh, Dot claims that she's an admiral, but the pirates start firing at them. Which... They try to.
0: They try to fire at them. They fire all the cannons they have, which is one, (laughs) because Bob has destroyed the rest. And that one ball goes sailing straight towards the yacht, and Frisket catches it.
1: Enzo almost gets cannonballized.
0: (laughs) Oh, I think this is just going towards the proof of my theory that Frisket is a Terminator. (laughs) And Bob is up there fighting off pirates and Dot pulls up next to him and unleashes the boarding party.
1: Yeah, they board the ship and wand fight.
0: <laughs> Even Thurston Hal and his ladies are getting into it.
1: They all start rumbling. Enzo six Frisco on the cap but he gets frozen instead.
0: Yeah, that that fight took all of like zero seconds. <laughs> <laughs>
1: With Bob and Frisco encased, the Capum threatens Dot and tells her to surrender, claiming victory.
0: I enjoy that we don't get to see Bob's capture on screen. No. Fula just shows up with a giant ice cube full of binomes and Bob.
1: <laughs> She's like, got him! He says, what took so long? And she said like... Good fighter. Good fighter. <laughs> Good
0: fighter. So yeah, he's got newly acquired hostages, and the fighting stops.
1: The accountant is upset that they haven't made anywhere near their usual 200%.
0: And once Mr. Christopher starts talking about that horrible profit margin, Dot knows she is in her element.
1: She straight up profit shames them? She
0: does.
1: She big dogs them. She's like, 200%. Are you kidding me? I don't make anything less than a thousand percent.
0: 200%? You call that a profit margin? (laughs) Oh, please. (laughs) I make 200% in my sleep
1: and the captain's like prove it and so she's like here all my spreadsheets plus my password
0: which is guardian <laughs> she was. i love that enzo picks up on the guardian password he's just like Dye. you like bye."
1: i think she hesitated a little bit before saying it too <laughs>
0: And yes, we get to a scene that I really love here, which is did you love
1: it? the duel. I did. I loved it. The final 2 minutes of the show is just a solid string of accounting lingo, which you know is great for kids.
0: But it's it's one, it's the rhythm in which they're doing it and two, the fact that they're literally using their wand swords. Like so they're they're literally dueling. You see them like f- fly <laughs> the sword around as if they were making a mark and each time you see dot just like yep. We got amortization, diversification, accrued depreciation of upgrades.
1: (laughs) No, no, no. It's (laughs) Livio-Saw.
0: It's just a really fun, I don't know, the fact that it was a duel. It was a literal duel, but it was with accounting and (laughs) business management.
1: I'm 32 years old, and I worked in accounting, and a lot of those words were (laughs) a little bit.
0: How do you offset
1: market flux?
0: Diversification. Initial inventory
1: outlay? amortization Can I drop off
0: become a buyer
1: well either way
0: capacitor is no match for dot and her spreadsheets
1: no bob gets released and he finds out that dot's now in cahoots with the pirates and has a sexy new outfit to boot
0: yeah i love how she got changed somehow <laughs> it looks great
1: if she must have rebooted
0: she's got the full admiral outfit now no more dinky hat she's got a big <laughs> hat big boots she's rocking it And she's working out terms with Capacitor for his new job in a legal trade. (laughs) With a cut of profits for Dot, of course.
1: Of course. (laughs) So what does that mean for them?
0: Uh, So that means that Dot is trading throughout the internet and using them as go-betweens, as merchants, which will end up being a plot point later. Okay. We also learn Capacitor's real name uh, is Gavin. He tells Dot to call him Gavin. And the two ships set a course back to mainframe.
1: This episode seemed to be an exercise in seeing how many times I could get away with characters saying, blow me.
0: <laughs> it was a lot.
1: Yeah, at least three. I mean, it was always blow me down, but the way this Obviously. is like, blow me down. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, blow me down! This episode was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. I loved getting to see the crew of the Saucy Mare. They have much bigger roles in later episodes, and they're super fun. I loved that we had names for people and that we had extra speaking roles. It wasn't the usual gang. And, you know, pirates. Pirates are fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I always get a kick out of the plots that end with Dot saving the day with business.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Dot's just in charge of mainframe, and that's she gets it done.
1: <laughs> it's just another example of her not needing Bob at all. <laughs> In fact, the, she had to go rescue him because he was irrelevant to the plot. Essentially,
0: <laughs> he was the sexy lamp in this episode.
1: He was the damsel in distress. I the episode was kind of all over the map for me in terms of tone. Like in the very beginning, with there all the fancy binomes walking around, that felt very much like a a kids show. Like for a much younger demographic than even the other eps. Like for some reason, I got the sense of like a young children's show in tone. And then, then we get all those accounting references, like I said, at the end, which are, like, way going to be over anybody's head. Like, I didn't I didn't love it, but I wasn't irritated either. I think my favorite part was when uh, Doc goes, he tasks me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I thought it was really fun. I think that this is kind of—we're we're really getting into that groove of the type of humor that you're going to see throughout the series. Okay. Just because it's, it's not the incredibly wacky stuff we saw in the earlier episodes. Mm-hmm. And there's stuff on both levels. Like, you're getting to see stuff in the background, like capacitors, flacitor, or <laughs> references to Star Trek. Like, stuff that adults will obviously love. Mm-hmm. But it's still just a fun pirate
1: episode for kids. Well, that's what I wonder, with specifically the pirates, this is something that it's not just for this show either. But, like, this whole, like, Treasure Island version of pirates that we see, right? That hasn't mm-hmm. changed much in media over the years. Like, the idea of this swashbuckling, arr, aye, aye cap em is, like, such a cartoonish representation of what real pirates are. And I wonder if pirates ever actually existed in that form.
0: Oh, no. There's no way. (laughs) It's definitely only in media that those pirates ever
1: existed. Yeah, like, the essential look and the way they talk and everything, it's been set in stone for so long. And, like, not that we want to romanticize real pirates... But like it's become such a child-friendly reference to an old, old Treasure Island story from so long ago. Like It almost has no real relevance except as a reference. But yet we continue to tell those stories with those pirates all the time with that aesthetic.
0: I think there's just something, the idea of that kind of characterized mm-hmm. pirates... I mean, real pirates. We start talking about real pirates, and and people suddenly are just like, uh oh, scurvy and and rape mm-hmm. and <laughs> and like not bathing for how long. And I mean, real pirates were not fun. Real pirates were jerks and <laughs> killed people and did horrible things. And...
1: Well, what did that image come from, though? Like with like the treasure maps and the big hats and the.
0: I think it definitely came from like that treasure island feel. Once pirates weren't a thing anymore. People could romanticize them as this idea of adventure and and freedom, but without all the side stuff that came with it. And I mean, this fits just right into that. Like, you know, you watch something like uh, Black Sails, which is a pretty great show, but it's dark. Like, you don't want to be one of those pirates. You don't want to hang out with those guys. (laughs) (laughs) Or if you watch something like this and you're just like, oh, no, I would totally be a pirate. (laughs) When's talk like a pirate day? (laughs) Alpha Numeric.
1: So what do we have for bits and bites this week?
0: All right. So first we have the name of the episode slash the name of our main pirate. So there was a movie back in 1952 called The Crimson Pirate, uh, which is obviously the starting point for our crimson binome.
1: It was called The Crimson Pirate?
0: It was called The Crimson Pirate. And guess what? It was about pirates. <laughs> and being from 1952, it was definitely in the same vein of this you know, characterized adventure pirates. Yeah. And then in our very opening scene, we get to see a bunch of kids watching a puppet show called Punch Card and QWERTY. Uh, So that's a reference to the old Punch and Judy puppet shows that they used to have in old England. Punch Card being a type of old computer, QWERTY being the common keyboard that everyone uses. Right. Uh, So we get to see that the sign at the dock says the commercial dock and IO Center. IO refers to the input output communications between a computer and the outside world. So this is the dock to the internet, to the web, to other computers. Mm. Alright, so we get when the pirates are retreating they yell out, code Abacab!
1: Yeah, I I wasn't sure what that meant.
0: It's A-B-A-C-A-B-B which is the code Uh... in Sega Genesis Mortal Kombat that would let you have blood. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just... Looking this up and just going, man, the 90s was such a different time. <laughs>
1: well, which one was up, down, up, down, left, right, A, B, start? That's the Konami code, right?
0: Yeah, it was the Konami code. So one, I love that back in the 90s, you could put in codes for things and stuff would happen.
1: <laughs> it's been so long since you could do that. Yeah, you get the game genie in there.
0: Yes, you could use the game genie to cheat. Like, silly things like that. And then... I love that, like that was the thing that you would like add blood to your Mortal Kombat game.
1: <laughs> well, I guess because I think it must have had it in the um, arcade, and then when it went to the home consoles, I imagine it was censored without blood until you put the code in.
0: What I it was really funny is that the blood I'm sure looked awful because it was the first Mortal Kombat game. It was just like here's some red, which nowadays you play Mortal Kombat game and you're like. You could see like the the vertebrae individually if they pull out your spine. <laughs> <laughs> I think Mortal Kombat was one of the games that started that game rating system. God, that's, we are old, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so then we get, as you've already pointed out, the Star Trek references.
1: <laughs> Which here's what I wanted to cut in. It's not just a Star Trek reference.
0: No, it is also a Moby Dick reference. The line "They task me" is from Moby Dick, but not the second part.
1: I shall have him. Yeah, so if you think about it, when uh, Khan says the line, he's quoting Captain Ahab. And both of them are seen as the villains of their stories, and like, even Khan's minions try to like, talk him out of it, but he's so obsessed with revenge that he doesn't listen. So when Dot says it, everyone kind of just looks at her funny, and she looks a bit sheepish afterward, because maybe she realizes <laughs> that that's not what a protagonist should be sounding like.
0: Either that, or she just added herself as a Trekkie. Which, our other Star Trek references are how the ships work. They've got the dual prong engine on the back, just like the Enterprise and they even go to warp
1: those the nacelles
0: uh you're outing yourself as a trekkie now i don't know what a nacelle is
1: (laughs) so those are those two like tube things on the side of the ship you got the saucer section and then you have the warp nacelles on the sides
0: oh okay gotcha and i think at this point if it kind of seems like a star trek reference we can just assume it is a star trek reference (laughs) All right. And so we also get a ton of name dropping in the episode, not just in the form of characters that we're meeting, but who the characters is representing. Right. So we meet Gavin Capacitor, who's named after show co-creator and podcast listener, Gavin Blair. We get Mr. Mitchell, who is named after the show co-creator Phil Mitchell. And we get Mr. Christopher, who I'm pretty sure is named after the producer of this episode, Christopher Bow.
1: Right. And we already had Ian Pearson represented. Is there a Lane Reichert anywhere, then?
0: You know, I'm not sure. I feel like there must be. Hmm. <laughs> He's written so many. <laughs> Uh, so we also see that Mr. Mitchell is a direct Gilligan's Island reference to Thirst and Howell III. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't get more Thurston and Howell than that. And we get the cartoon drawing in Bob's cell of Kilroy Was Here. If you're not familiar with Kilroy Was Here, it's a piece of graffiti dating back to World War II. It actually has a bunch of different names other than Kilroy, but Kilroy is the most common one and it was used by a lot of GIs.
1: I've only ever heard it as Kilroy myself.
0: Yeah, it depends on the like country you're coming from. Mm-hmm. Different countries throw in different names. Uh, but this one is obviously a pirate version because he's got an eye patch.
1: Oh, and I almost forgot. The whole bit with the pirates being interested in accounting actually might be a reference to Monty Python's meaning of life. There's a, a whole segment in the beginning of that movie called The Crimson Permanent Assurance. And it's about a group of old men working at an accounting firm who turn their building into a pirate ship and go sailing the high seas.
0: Oh, man, that sounds so familiar. <laughs>
1: Yeah, they actually they turn their filing cabinets into cannons and they use the ceiling fan blades as swords. It's hilarious, <laughs> and I almost missed that connection entirely.
0: It has been a few years since I've watched The Meaning of Life, so it, it definitely flew over my head. But now I, f- <laughs> I feel like I could go back and watch some of that. Yeah.
1: So let's talk about the game.
0: We don't have a game for this one, but if we did have a game. So I actually brought up two games real quick, even though we don't have a game for this one, because it's pirate-themed, and there was some great pirate games in the early 90s, uh, The Secret of Monkey Island and Monkey Island 2, the point-and-click adventure games from 1990 and 1991. Uh, They would be early Lucasfilm games that would have been developed by Telltale Games, who is run by uh, Tim Schafer. If you're not familiar with him, he's done a whole ton of point-and-click adventure games since then, including Day of the Tentacle, which every con I've ever been to has someone cosplaying the Tentacle from Day of the Tentacle. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Psychonauts, Brutal Legend, Costume Quest is one of the more recent ones, Massive Chalice, Broken Age. So yeah, he's done a whole ton of stuff. He's pretty popular in our house. That was like one of the first big point-and-click adventure games And it was pirate themed. I think if if we were going to go with a game for this episode, that would have to be the one.
1: This is wrong. This
0: is all wrong.
1: Well, you know what? It's time for Jessica. It's time to award (laughs) the Golden Pigtail to the frostiest moments. (laughs) Our nominees are.
0: My nominees are uh, the duel between Dot and Capacitor. Because I just thought that was great. The rhythm was great. The kind of like little metaphor they're going for was great. It was just, it was really fun visual, I thought. And, and just super fun. Um, the mouse reference, which had me very excited <laughs> that mouse is coming up. That we get to see like little bits of her beforehand. And it was pretty fun that we got them actually talking about mouse. But before we got them talking about mouse and I saw the mouse drawing and I was like in on the joke. I was like, ah, I know what that is.
1: Now that just looked like a scribble to me until I kind of like interpreted it as a simplified mouse drawing. But is that a a symbol that shows up later?
0: Yes, that is literally her signature. Okay. Which she leaves behind when doing random things. Gotcha. And I think the winner has got to be... Bob's horrible singing. (laughs) (laughs) Mainframes got talent would not let him pass. It's
1: going to be a no from me, dog.
0: (laughs) Sorry, Bob. You are not moving on to the next round.
1: (laughs) So uh, my moments, just Bula in general, really kind of was a lot of fun. I also liked the the jailer being like really insistent on the fact that he doesn't snore. (laughs) Bob's creeper face when he tries to intimidate the jailer was fun. But. I think my moment is going to, there's a binome when they uh, board the pirate ship and they all jump out. One of them is like this big haired bikini, like sexy lady binome. (laughs) (laughs) And so like, she's, she's just chilling on the ship and then she jumps out and she's like swinging the wand around too. And I I really liked her look. She had a big bouffant hairstyle, like a far side character. You know,
0: that was a really fun moment to have, you know, two like bikini binomes hanging out in his yacht and they start boarding a pirate ship and one of them is super into it
1: yeah she's like hell yeah
0: so is that your winner
1: that's my winner so before we recorded this episode i put it out on twitter to ask if anybody had any like listener questions and uh did we get any
0: we got one now this one might be a little divisive so just fyi uh so nolan hayes which is at it's my delorean on Twitter, uh, reached out to us and said, is Princess Bulla kind of racist at this point? Mm. So I thought about that. When she first came on screen, that was my first thought, was I was thinking, ah, you know, we've already had the Fong moment. Mm -hmm. Fong comes on screen, kind of heavily accented. He has the uh, Asian music intro every time he shows up. I mean, there's definitely some stuff in there that nowadays would not fly, you know. And for the 90s, like, people got away with it.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: So for Bula, you know, I'm white. I'm Mexican, but I'm also white. Uh, (laughs) Ben, you're white. I'm not going to say whether or not something is or is not racist. It's not for me to say. It's not attacking anything personally for me
1: i didn't cringe as much as i did for like some of the other you know stereotypes but like for her it was just kind of like a big dumb like ooh, big dumb hulking brute and i didn't catch that as like a being a specifically a racist thing but um I don't know.
0: She reads to me more like the Hulk than she does a specific reference to a specific culture.
1: Yeah, she's a giant Amazon woman, which is a trope. It
0: is a trope. And they do kind of play this tribal-esque drum music when she comes on. That's her like music cue. Right. So, I mean, I think they are pulling from stereotypes from various different cultures, but she's not representing any particular culture. One, she's literally a giant brick. Uh, mm-hmm. and she doesn't have a, an accent that's specific to a certain culture and she doesn't have like a look that's specific to a certain culture. I think they're just kind of pulling from different things that if maybe this were played by or looked like a person and not like a giant brick that we mm-hmm. might be going into, into different territory. Yeah. But again, this probably would not be my call <laughs> whether or not someone would find this racist
1: we try to be as woke as possible here but um yeah <laughs> you know we, we obviously are not the ones who sh-
0: yeah we we don't get to decide whether or not someone else is offended so if princess bula for you is a line too far i totally would get it and totally understand for me i enjoy bula just because i read her more as not she hulk because she hulk is a different character but a female hulk
1: <laughs> right like you just like the dumb tank
0: exactly So yeah, uh, that's our feedback for today. Okay. (laughs) Serious talk.
1: Yeah. I think it's time to make this voyage unprofitable. So what are you enjoying?
0: So this week... I uh, just finished up a podcast called Deadly Manners. It is a 10 episode podcast. Each episode probably about like 20 minutes-ish. It's got a whole bunch of famous people in there like Kristen Bell and someone you'll recall, <laughs> LeVar Burton. Oh, nice. So it is a like an old radio show kind of podcast uh, where we are following a murder mystery dinner. It is a fancy dinner set in like the 1950s-esque, around the McCarthy era, and someone has died. And then more people die. And then even more people die. (laughs) Who's killing all these people? You don't find out until the very end. Oh, man. It's super fun.
1: I'm for sure going to check that out.
0: Yeah, it's called Deadly Manners, and you can probably listen to all of it in a day really fast. Uh, They do plan on doing a season two, so if you catch up now, you'll be all ready for season two when it comes out.
1: Nice. Well, I've been reading a lot of sci-fi books lately. I really enjoyed the Annihilation movie that came out just recently. But uh, as far as reading, I've been going back and forth, alternating chapters between Altered Carbon and uh, Leviathan Wakes. So I'm only about a third of the way through each of them, but I have been really enjoying them so far, so I'll definitely recommend those. I know Altered Carbon is just turned into a Netflix series, and uh, Leviathan Wakes is part of the Expanse sci-fi series.
0: I've actually read the Expanse series. My reaction was meh, but I kept reading anyways. Okay. So- Oh, (laughs) an enjoyable meh, a popcorn meh, you know, definitely something you can keep reading.
1: Yeah, like I I haven't been turned off of it yet. So Altered Carbon is written by uh, Richard Morgan and Leviathan Wakes or The Expanse is James S.A. Corey, which is actually the pseudonym of two guys. Yes. Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank go under the name James S.A. Corey.
0: They actually used to intern for George R.R. Martin. I'm a big fan of the Song of Ice and Fire series and reading The Expanse. I definitely saw the influence that Martin had on their writing styles.
1: And I'm much more of a sci-fi fan than a fantasy fan, so this really works for me. So what do we have for us next week?
0: Uh, So next week is the episode Enzo the Smart.
1: Enzo the Smart.
0: Yes, it's actually pretty funny. When I said I was going to do this podcast uh my husband who's also a friend of yours luke Mm -hmm. he said he remembers one episode from this entire series and i know it's ends of the smart
1: (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) did we get like some kind of like flowers for algernon storyline with that
0: no not quite (laughs) (laughs) reverse flowers for algernon okay the end of flowers for algernon
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's getting dark Okay, so uh, where can people find you online?
0: Uh, so you can find me online at Stervino Lady. That's S-T-I-R-V-I-N-O, lady. That is on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. I try and post my art stuff. I've been bad with it lately, but I'm, I'm trying to get back into it. So you can follow me and, and look at my attempts at getting back into doing art.
1: And you can find me at Dudworks on Twitter and Dudworks Art on Facebook or dudworks.com. You can find our podcast at Incoming Game Pod on Twitter and Incoming Game Cast on Facebook or IncomingGameCast.com. Our theme music is Spasmatica Polka by Kevin McLeod. Okay, so what's the pirate's favorite letter of the alphabet? Arr! <laughs> <laughs> is that really how we're closing the show? Okay. <laughs> Stay frosty, folks.
0: Over. The user wins.
1: I'm Ben, a nostalgic. No. No, I'm you're sorry. not
0: a nostalgic. <laughs> <laughs>